In the Minyan von Eidus, in, in regards to the matter of witnesses, Alpi, as the Pasuk in this week's parasha says, Alpi Shnayim Eidim, Shnei Eidim Yakum Dover, by the word of two witnesses will something be established. We find two different categories of witnesses. Number one is Eidei Birur, witnesses that verify something. Ledugma, for instance, Eidus of Ahovah, if you have two witnesses that somebody borrowed money from somebody else. Their role in this transaction is only to verify that it happened, uh, to, to certify that it happened. But the, the matter of the loan itself is completely, they are irrelevant to the loan itself. Because even if somebody borrows money without having any witnesses at all, the one who borrowed has to pay back the loan, regardless of whether anybody knows about it or not, whether there are witnesses or not. So they play no role in the actual loan itself. All they can do is verify if they should, if somebody should argue and say it didn't happen, or how much it was the loan or what were the other conditions of the loan, then they could, uh, they could substantiate the claim. But the, as to the matter itself, they are irrelevant. So, so based on this, so what does establish the matter? What does it mean in this case? That this matter is authenticated by the witnesses. That's what Yakum means in this case. Then there is another type of witnesses, which is edekium, the the witnesses that effectuate the event that we're talking about. Ladugma, for instance, edekedushin, witnesses to a to a marriage. Vazeir edus is that tale from the kedushin. In this case, their testimony, their being witnesses to the event, are part and parcel of the event. The event cannot happen without the two witnesses. Dvarum, because the din is, the halacha is, as a filuven, side the ish and side the ish and the Because even in the, if, in the case, let's say, where the husband and the wife both agree, yes, we got married. Nobody argues. Everybody agrees. Erhatir Makadish given that he married this woman. Oib Ober, as Zainat Abainish given Kenedus, but if there were no witnesses in attendance to actually witness the kedushin, the marriage, the, uh, the ceremony of the marriage, is the halacha, the halacha is the we completely disregard this marriage if there were no witnesses no wedding happened no marriage happened thus haste which means without the witnesses there is no marriage so therefore in this case in this kind of witness what would establish Yaakov mean that through them is actualized the thing that they witnessed becomes a thing like the wedding, the marriage becomes a, a marriage because they witnessed it, without that there would be no marriage, so it's very different if they only substantiate what happened or they actualize effectuate what happened
base mitzadam chidul kanal because of this difference in the, the two different types of witnesses kumta rois nocha nafkeminet zwischen edebir and edekiim there is there is another difference that can be understood between the witnesses that only authenticate or verify and the witnesses which actualize effectuate by the edebir by the ones that authenticate verify vibals is an since their role in this matter is only to verify what happened they become witnesses in other words their role begins at the time when there is a need to verify what happened so for instance if uh, there was an argument about the amount of the loan or whether a loan exists so they would go to court to the Bezdin and they would be called upon to verify what happened. So that's when their role as witnesses begins. Because the role is only to verify. When does verification begin? When there is an argument, when there is a disagreement. If there would never have disagreement, their role would be non-existent. by But when we talk about the, uh, the witnesses that effectuate the event, Vibal's design in since their role is to actually make it happen, to actualize it, so therefore it would, it would, it would come out. That when they see it, since they're part and parcel of the event, so their role begins immediately as it's happening. The mitz deragat Based on this, the Rogachavagorn explains why it is that witnesses for, uh, for a marriage don't need to be questioned and interrogated. Normally, the Torah says, you shall interrogate and you shall question to make sure that they're telling the truth. But we've never seen that there should be witnesses to a wedding that will be uh, interrogated interrogated to see if they're telling the truth that doesn't happen, why is it not necessary? because when do we need interrogation that is those types of witnesses which they become witnesses their role begins in the matter of the court when there is a need, when they're called to court, and that's when they begin their role as witnesses. So they can't become proper witnesses, reliable witnesses, until the court questions and interrogates them. by Whereas by witnesses to a marriage, or similar situations, where their role is that they effectuate the uh, the matter. So Torah already declared them to be a witness, and their role as a witness began already at the time when the when it happened. So then later, if they're brought before the court for some reason that they have to determine something in regards to the marriage so there's no need to interrogate them it's not that they're becoming witnesses now that they were called by the court they were already witnesses from the beginning of the matter from when it happened and therefore there's no reason to interrogate them because interrogation only is necessary when they be, begin their role as witnesses 
in the court setting. Gimel, I'll pia now, based on this, as it is in a tale from Maisai Kedushin, based on this, that we said that witnesses to a marriage are part of the marriage. They are the ones that affect, they effectuate, they actualize the marriage. Based on this, we can also explain why it is that when somebody says, he says to a woman, you are hereby married to me with this ring or whatever, and then he immediately changes his mind. He said, never mind, never mind. So normally when we say that if he says a within a certain, um, a certain span of time which is called, he's still in the middle of speaking. He hasn't finished speaking yet. Which technically speaking means as long as it says, it takes to say Shalom Aleichem Meiri those words. So if he didn't delay between finishing his sentence you are hereby married to me and when he started saying you know what, forget it, never mind. If he did it within the span of his speech, his speaking, so then normally we say that he can change whatever he said. He could still go back and undo what he said. But by Kedushin, we don't say that you can nullify it. As the Gemara says, The Allah is that if you say something within the span of speech, then it's like you're continuing your speech, and therefore you could undo what you said. Chutz, except for the case of a Makadish or Magadish, where somebody is marrying a woman or divorcing a woman, where you can't undo what you said. What is the difference? Why is it that with anything else you can go back, you can retract what you said within by marriage and divorce? You can't retract what you said. Why? The Ran is Mazbir. So the Ran explains as Bashar Mili, by other things which are not as weighted, as serious, as important um, as marriage and divorce. Tudse, Amen, Shulchat Chilamidadeya. So a person, when he says it, he is he's not 100% uh, conclusively decided that this is where he wants to go. And therefore he does it with the, with the thought that, you know. He's not 100% sure, he thinks that he wants this, but he could always change his mind within a short span of time. That's how he goes into it to begin with. Mashen came by Hani, whereas by these, marriage and divorce, Kivin the Hamir Kulai, since they're so important and so critical and crucial, and a person doesn't treat it lightly in any sense of the word at all, a person would only do it he would only say it if he is completely convinced that this is what he wants to do. And therefore, you can't retract what you said. Because when you said it, you meant it fully. You didn't leave any option for retraction. Other things, you leave yourself open for, you know, maybe you can change your mind. It's as if, let's say, you know, when you're playing chess and you keep your finger on the piece, it's because you haven't yet decided this is your move. That's what, by other things, is considered. The Dibur is keeping your finger on the piece. But in something that is so critical, like marriage and divorce, there is no option for going back. You don't leave yourself that option. But this explanation of the Ran needs to be explained in itself. Because according to this, it would come out. 
as by andere Sachen ist nicht doch kein Gemüse da, bis noch kein Dibur. What he's saying effectively is that until the span of time when you cannot retract it anymore passes, you haven't yet conclusively decided that this is where you're, what you're doing. Darf Oiskomase therefore would come out as the Maisevet Nishnigavus Demel that the that whatever it is that you said and you did does not is not complete until that span of time passes and only then does it become a reality so therefore if for instance if somebody gives somebody a gift a, a food a food item so then the person that receives the gift should not be permitted to eat whatever it is that he gifted him, at least l'chatchila, he shouldn't, their meichel biznach kedei dibur, until that span of time passes, at which time, because until the span of time passes, he could still withdraw and say, never mind, I'm not giving you the gift. And if he eats it, if he ate it already, he ate something that belongs to somebody else. He would have to wait until that span of time ends, and only then does it become a complete gift, so then he can eat it. Now it's his. But we don't find anywhere that this should be stated that when you get a gift from someone, give it three seconds till after and only then you should eat it. We don't find such a thing. So obviously it's not the halacha. Therefore, we have to say as by that even by other things other than marriage and divorce Therefore, we have to assume that when a person says something, it happens immediately. It takes effect immediately. Nor as but after you have that those few seconds to undo what you already did. You're able to nullify, retract what it is that you already did and did happen, but you can still retract it. Whereas by marriage and divorce, you can't undo that which is already done. So once you married a woman, you're married. To undo it is already the needs of divorce. And the same with, uh, with divorcing a woman. If you, you divorced her, it's divorced. Now you want to you retract it, marry her again, but there's no such thing as undoing the divorce. But now we have to understand why is it different if we don't accept the Ran's approach to it, so we have to understand what is the reason that you can't that uh, there is a difference in regards to marriage and divorce. Is the beer in them, so the explanation is by Now that we understand that in, in marriage and divorce the witnesses are integral to the act itself. So therefore it's no longer within the husband's ability to undo what was done because the witnesses are also part of what happened. So he can only undo something that he did. But if the witnesses are also integral to this event, so he can't undo what they saw, what they witnessed, the part that they contribute. However, by other things, with the Eidus, Tunishof, Imitsi, Yisadova, where the witnesses are really, sta- they're bystanders. 
they're not really part of the event at all. They're only verifying. They're only seeing what's happening. But they're not part of what's happening. And whatever happened is only being like giving a gift. So it's only the one that gives the gift that is the one that is has a role in it transferring to the person that receives the gift. Therefore, he has the ability to undo whatever it is that he did. There's nobody else that needs to be part of the undoing, whereas by marriage and divorce, the witnesses would have to be part of the undoing, and they are not, you know, their doesn't play a role in this. It's only the husband, in either case, the potential husband or the husband that wants to get divorced, that he has to would have to undo it, but he can't do that anymore because the witnesses are not um, are not undoing what they were part of. Dalit. Since we know that everything that is expressed in the halachic part of Torah, the revealed part of Torah, the practical, actual part of Torah, um, is all a reflection of how these things happen in their inner dimension, in their higher, uh, in the higher spheres, in the higher places from where they evolve into halacha in the physical, material world. Is moving as the Allah ibn Amantin therefore it's understood that all of these details that we just said about Adis, about witnesses, number one, the Tsvei that there are two different types of witnesses the ones that verify and the ones that actualize. Number two, those was the Edikadushim Zainin Edikim, the fact that witnesses to a marriage actually effectuate the the event. Number three, Edikim Venem Shazariah, when Edibir Vishaz the Edus Zogn in Bezn. The third difference is that the witnesses that that are only there to verify their role begins when they are called to court. That's when their role begins, and that's when they become witnesses. Whereas the ones that are effectuating the event, their role begins as soon as it, uh, the event is happening. Number four, that there's something that <coughs> a thing that is accomplished through the witnesses that effectuate and, uh, and actualize it like the marriages are wit- uh, the witnesses to marriage it has more impact and therefore cannot be undone as we said all of these details can also be understood in their spiritual origins in what way? What does this mean? It says in the Pasuk, You are my witnesses, says Hashem, the words of Hashem. And then there are two explanations desire about this Pasuk. Number one, This refers to the Yidin. And number two, That these witnesses of which is being spoken is the heaven and the earth. As it says in the Pasuk, I appoint you as witnesses today, O heaven and earth. So one shot is that the Yidden are the witnesses, the other shot is that the heaven and the earth are the witnesses. And we could say as the Tzvei Eidus, that these two sets of witnesses, Yisrael, whether it's the Yidden or the heaven and earth, refer to the two different types of witnesses that we just described, a Debirur 
and the witnesses that verify and the witnesses that make it happen as will explain be explained presently <coughs> hey the Alter Rebbe is mevayer baruch. The Alter Rebbe explains at length as edus shayich nor al dover anista benelu me'ena akel that to say something that has to be witnessed that you need a witness for something only relates to something which is otherwise unknown. Without the witnesses, you wouldn't know it. You need them to to uh, verify it or to testify about it. Without them, there would be no. You wouldn't know it. But something which is obvious to all, that everybody knows anyway, that you don't need witnesses, which means that you can't, the role of witness doesn't apply to something which everybody knows anyway. Even about something which at this point is not yet known. But it's something that will eventually come to light. Eventually, everybody will know it. You also don't need a real witnesses. Witness uh, to to need witnesses. What would be the role of a witness is only something which is not known at all, and will not become known without them. Because if it will become known, so then again, what do you need the witnesses for? Eventually, it'll become known anyway. In Ruchnius Mentus, what does this mean spiritually speaking? On this um, aspect of godliness, which brings life, gives life to the world, which we call Memalukul Almin. It fills the one that into part of Hashem which integrates into the world. For that you don't need testimony. You don't need anyone else to verify that. Is that something which is obvious? That something cannot live without something causing it to live. When you observe the way the world runs and the way the world is being run, you see that there's something which animates the world, there's something there which is a power, a force which is causing it to happen, which we call, of course, we know as Hashem. The estate, as it says in the Apostle, from my own flesh I can see God, which means that if I observe my own flesh, myself, as a body, as a human, and how I function, I understand that there is Hashem. And as our sages interpret this to mean, just like the soul fills the body and causes it to live and function, so also Hashem fills the world and causes it to function and, and live and so on. And since this is obvious and clear, and this is something which is understood logically, so much so that even non-Jews, at least the non-Jews that have a vision and, and uh, take life seriously and so on, they also come to this recognition that there must be a God which is running the world. Therefore, for this you don't need Atem Eida, you are my witnesses. That's something obvious. 
even to have faith and to trust and to believe that there is a part of Hashem which transcends the world which is called in Chesidus in Zayir and Chesidus the, the, the part of Hashem which surrounds the world which means it doesn't integrate into the world it functions it, it um, affects the world from a distance from it's removed from the world not integrated into the world but it affects it in that way even for that you don't need witness a testimony for that because even though that part that level of godliness we can't understand it logically because it transcends our logic because our seichel our intellect is governed by things that we are aware of, things that we understand, things that we are in touch with, things that we're familiar with, but something which is outside of our reality, which is that part of Hashem, which is Seviv Kalalman, it doesn't really integrate into the world, therefore we're, we never have any experience with it, and therefore how are you going to be able to grasp it in your Seichel? You can't. Is of the seichel gufemachai, but at the same time, your seichel it necessitates it. You get you understand that it must be that there's something that transcends the world also. As is faran der oyel kivas esechav and seichel, you are forced to admit to recognize that there is a a godly aspect which transcends your ability to understand it. So you can't understand it, but your seichel knows that there is something there which is beyond my understanding. Because after the seichel, the, your intellect comes to the conclusion that there is, there you see, you can actually understand the godliness which is integrated into the world you now come to the recognition that this can be the main function of Hashem the fact that He brings life to the world this can be what God really is that He is the one that's what He's all about that He made the world that can be there's something greater more transcendent about Hashem and that therefore you come to the conclusion logically that there must be something which transcends the world and transcends your ability to understand it. So even the part of Hashem, what we call that which surrounds the world, also you, you come to the conclusion that there must be something like that in existence, even though you can't understand what it is. And therefore, even for that level, you can't say that there is a need for testimony for it because you come to the logical conclusion that it exists. Because even though it's not something which you can actually see and observe or even understand, because you can't really understand, comprehend it, is a but it's what could be described as something which will eventually come to be known, meaning to say, you know that it exists, even though that you don't know exactly what it is. Because 
because it's something which transcends intellect but intellect forces you to understand compels you to, to come to the recognition that this kind of a level does exist where then do we need testimony the, the need for testimony so to speak is for when we talk about the essence of Hashem which is transcends even the part of Hashem which affects the world from a distance it is in because Atmos is completely beyond our comprehension at all we can't even convince ourselves that we understand that it must exist and since the essence of Hashem is something which is completely concealed from us for that you need to have testimony you need something called testimony in order to make it known that that too exists just like in the simple sense of what witnesses are is to meidzain as when I was bringing a dover anel legamri, just like in the conventional sense of what witnesses do, they are the ones that reveal to us something that we wouldn't know on our own. When when the tzayefane edus anal, and that the and so also is this testimony, which he said before that there is the the heaven and earth or the yidden, which are those test of uh, those witnesses they are needed in order to bring to our attention that there is an, a part of Hashem which is called Atmos, the essence of Hashem which exists, because that's not something that we would have come to recognize on our own, from our own um, intellect and in that too, there are two ways in which this can be brought to our attention as we said before, that there are two different types of testimonies, there is number one, Ede Birur the type of uh, witness that is there to verify that even in creation Hashem implanted in creation such things which testify and therefore bring to our attention that, that there is an infinite aspect to Hashem which is pointing to the essence of Hashem and they are the heaven and the earth which are the testimony the, te- the witnesses which exist within creation which Hashem planted in such a way that they should point us in the direction of the infinite as it's known as the nitzchis from Shemayim that the fact that the heavens exist eternally in it's the same sun it's the same moon it's the same stars the very same one continue unabated uninterrupted in a sense in the physical sense that means infinite they just keep existing and then on earth there is also a certain sense of eternity and that is even though there is no tree which, or, or grass or blade or animal or anything which exists from the beginning of time but the species keeps replicating in a way that it never ends, that it always continues. Of course, there, we could, humans could interrupt a certain species by, you know, by design, but otherwise it would just keep, in, it would just keep existing. The species would go on. 
even though each individual animal will die off and another one will be born and so the same with plants and so on <clears throat> so this ability that the, that the physical reality should have an eternal an eternity to it is that comes from the fact that there is an that Hashem is eternal and that's why he created things which also have a sense of eternal to them and that's why the heaven and the earth could be the witnesses which verify that there is some there is an eternal Hashem which is what allowed that there should be an eternal in some sense earth and heavens and uh, so on and that's the pointer that's the witness to say that there is something eternal out there which could have created this kind of eternity then there is a dekiyum the witnesses that make it happen there is also a set of witnesses which were given the ability not that they point to the eternal of Hashem but that they draw the eternal of Hashem into the world that means that they're part and parcel of being the witness to bring Hashem into the world just like when we said that the witnesses that actualize that effectuate that event the Yidin also are the ones that are able to effectuate and bring Hashem the, the essence of Hashem into the world and this of course refers to the Yisrael because the Neshama of a Yid is rooted, comes from the essence of Hashem that's why the Neshama Yisrael have the ability through their performance of, tayra, of mitzvahs and learning of Torah to bring that essence of Hashem into the world they're not just standing by and pointing to the essence of Hashem. They are bringing the essence of Hashem into the world. And this is also an, a deeper understanding. Why it is that in the case of marriage, the witnesses are not mere stand, bystanders, but they are part and parcel of the marriage itself. The tachlis from kedushim and esuin is pruvu. The purpose of marriage is to have children. Thus, in them inyan from And as is well known, that the fact that one can have children, that humans can have children, that is an expression of the infinite of Hashem. The ability to create a child from nothing, meaning to say there was no child, now there is a child. That is a godly infinite. Uh, human, that's uh, a part of the human which comes from the infinite of Hashem the ability that your child should beget another child and another child and it should go on for till the end of time that is an extension of the infinite that Hashem created, that exists within Hashem, and that's why He created it within man, within, in man as is well known which means marriage brings the infinite aspect of Hashem into the world which is expressed in the fact that the witnesses that are part of the marriage 
must also be integral to the marriage just like the testimony that happens through marriage not just pointing to the infinite of Hashem but expressing, drawing down that infinite godliness into the world they are, it's part and parcel that's the kind of witnesses which makes it happen so the witnesses that are part of the marriage also must be integral to the marriage not just watch it happen but make it happen but we still have to understand since heaven and earth also reveal the infinite of Hashem in the creation so then what is it what exactly is it that the Yidin ha- do differently than the heaven and earth that they draw godliness into the world as opposed to the heaven which just simply points to it we have to understand what that means is the clolus the kabir in them the, the general explanation of this is it's true that the heaven and the earth also point to the infinite aspect of Hashem that exists in the world. But it doesn't express that in such a way that it should be understood that the world in itself has no real existence. It is merely something which is part of Hashem it exists within the uh, reality of Hashem that is not something that is obvious from that their oftuf and Eden is and what the Yidin bring to the table is they bring through Torah mitzvahs the Yidin make it clear that there is nothing else other than Hashem there is no independent existence of the world which Hashem is plays a part in the Torah mitzvahs which is accomplished through Yidin bring out that there is no other existence other than Hashem the Welt that the world is merely part part of Hashem it is just an expression of godliness so that has to be understood also Zayin to understand this more clearly we have to first explain what our sages tell us in the Pasuk the earth was afraid and then was calmed so the Chazal explain what does that mean that Pasuk first the earth was the, the, the world was afraid and then it calmed down before the, the Matan Torah the world was in a tenuous place it was afraid of its, of its very existence it didn't know is there any future for the world to exist before Matan Torah and that in other words it, there was a certain weakness to the reality of the world because who knows if it will exist tomorrow because if the Yidden don't accept the Torah then the whole point of creation would have ended and creation would have ended so the, earth, the world was afraid is there any future what's going to happen tomorrow by Matan Torah they may accept or not do we have a reason to exist or is there not going to be a reason anymore and 
And after the Eden accepted the Torah, is Givarim Shakata, the earth was calmed, or the world was calmed. In other words, that the world now felt a certain stability. It felt that it has a real existence. Till now, it could stop at any moment. Now, the world will continue. It has real uh, a foundation upon which to exist. And it will continue to exist. So we have to understand, it comes out that Matan Torah is what gave the world its real existence. Now it truly exists. This has to be understood. Because the Metzius from Welt is the Geshem V'chaymer. What is the existence of the world? It's material, physical material stuff. And the, the physical, by definition, means something which conceals godliness. Because that's the word in Hebrew for for oilam, for the world world comes from the world of concealment Helen. so the world by na- its very nature conceals godliness to the contrary it, it weakened the concealment that the world imposes on godliness and it refined the world Matan Torah refined the world to some degree. And as our sages tell us, by Matan Torah, it says that during Matan Torah, a bird didn't chirp, nothing. Everything came to, was still for Matan Torah. The whole world was quiet, which means it weakened, it refined the world, it no longer opposed godliness, concealed godliness in the way that it did until then. And that is really the reason why after Matan Torah we're now able to bring holiness to even a physical object. The reason is because even the physical world became refined to a certain degree that now it can become a carrier for holiness. It can be transformed into something holy. So how could we say that after Matan Torah the world became calm? Why did it become calm? Because now it felt confident that it exists. It has true existence. So what we're saying is that Matan Torah brought a greater existence to the world. And world means concealment. When isn't it the opposite? It may be true, it is true that Hashem made a condition with the physical creation. That if the Yidin will receive, accept the Torah, then you will continue to exist. But if not, I will turn you back into nothingness. So therefore, that's the reason that they became calm, that the, the world became calm after Matan Torah. So this condition is only something superimposed on the reality of the world. In other words, the world exists independent of the condition. The condition is something which is, however, your existence will depend on that on that condition. Like somebody that puts a condition on a certain event or something that he does. For instance, if he gives somebody a gift and he says, this gift is conditional on you doing so and so. is the So the gift is one thing. 
the condition is something separate from the gift itself, which can either affirm the gift or end the gift, but it's not the gift. So therefore the existence, the creation of the world is not really, it, its continued existence may depend on the condition, but its existence, what it is, is not dependent on the condition. So therefore, the uh, the Yidden accepting the Torah didn't make the con- the existence of the world more real. It doesn't change the existence of the world. Only the continued existence of the world. I feel that even that which we say that the whole purpose of the creation was for the Yidden and for the Torah. So therefore you would say that that is the essence of creation to begin with. It's only for the Yidden and for Torah. So even that is even that is something which is superimposed on the creation. It's for the purpose of the Yidden and of the Torah. But the world exists and it, there is a secondary thing for the Yidden and for the Torah. But the existence of the world is not Torah, is not Yisrael. It exists for the Yidden, but its existence is not Torah and the Yidden. Vibal does say, and since this is true, Daf which seemed that it that you should come to the conclusion as benegayt to the Metzias from Velt Gufa hot madn Torah with an achlishus in the Metzias nishatayket, and therefore. If Torah did not add anything to the existence of the world, and to the contrary, it took away, it weakened the impact of the world, because now it no longer is so concealing of godliness, and that now it could become holy as well. So the the bottom line should be that Matan Torah weakened the existence of the world, not strengthened the existence of the world. Ches is the beer in them, so the explanation is Dos was mezed ba mensh as the kavanas utachsapul is the poolu gufe on the poolu kufe zayn tsevos under zachn. When we say in regards to a human that there is the thing that he does, and then there is why he does it. What's the purpose of what he did? They are two separate things. This is what I did. This is why I did it. Is as the far of M is the That is because by a person, the thing that he wants to happen doesn't make it happen yet. He wants something to happen, so therefore he has to go ahead and do something in order to make it happen. I want a house doesn't make you a house. You have to go and hire a, a builder to make you a house. Those are two separate events. Why I want a house, I have a reason why I want a house, and having the house are two separate things. The fact that I want it and that I have a reason and that there's a point to a house doesn't make a house. They're two separate things. The actual ha- making of a house is a separate event. And also, when you say that I have a reason why I want something, to, why I did something, that reason is separate from the thing that you did. You did something, and you did it for a reason, but they're not, they're not necessarily the same, they're not the same at all. You might have a reason, and that doesn't give you what ha- that doesn't give you the fact. You have to create the fact separately. By however, when we talk about Hashem, is ein 
by him, if he decides that something should be, then it is. It's not that he has to go ahead and make it. The moment that he decided that something should be, it becomes. It became. It is. It's not even, you can't even say it became. It is the reality. If Hashem decides that something should be, that is the reality. On the far is the Gansamitsius from the Mpoyal, their Koyach, and therefore in with Hashem. How did it happen? Because he decided that it should happen. That's what brought it into being. So therefore there can't be a separation between what happens and why it happens. If Hashem decided that he wants it to happen, so then it happened. Then it is. So therefore, the, re- the reality of what happened is the reason that Hashem wanted it to happen. Is the fact that Hashem wanted it to happen. And therefore, the same thing would also be in regards to why He wanted the creation in the first place. Since the purpose, the reason why He wants it is the Torah and the Yisrael. And since when Hashem decides, I want something in order so that Torah and Yiddishkeit should be able to be carried out in this world, and that became the reality, so that is the reality. That it is in order for the Torah and Yidin is the reality, because there is no separation between I want it and it, should, and it happened. I want it and happen is the same, one and the same. So the purpose of it is also one and the same with its, with its reality, with its existence. And therefore that is what its real existence is. And when you look around the world and what you see is the physical manifestation of the world, that's not its real reality. Its real reality is what is the purpose of it. Because Hashem the purpose and the existence is all one and the same. The far gefintment oich bedinei teira. That's why we also find in in the halachas of the teira as merechen sich mit the kavona from azach on nishm the zain geshev achaymer that we consider what is the purpose of something rather than what is the rea- the actual uh, manifestation of it. The dogma, for instance, by din from Amaytzi Oichlin Pachos Begeshir Bekli Bekli. For instance, in Allah and Hilchas Shabbos, that if somebody carries, you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos from, let's say, a private domain or Shuzayachet to Shusarabim. But carrying, when would a person be chayav for carrying? Only if you carry something of substance, something important. So if you carry a crumb in your pocket, you wouldn't be chayav because that's not. It doesn't have enough to constitute having done the act of carrying. So let's say for food, it would be let's, uh, a kezayis. If you carry an amount of food which is important, has some value in its... Uh, it makes it important. So if somebody carries out less than a kezayis, he would be potter. What happens if he carries out a food? He's carrying out food. It's less than a kezayis, but he carried it in a bowl because it's, uh, I don't know, it's a dip, it's a fluid... And, it, and it's uh, like a loose uh, food. And therefore, in, the only way to carry it is in a bowl. So he carried out less than a gazayis in a bowl. The bowl is worth more than the food that, it's in, that is in it. The, but he's carrying out the bowl, not because he wants the bowl, but because it's there to carry the food. Inside, Hamaitzi Eichlim Pachos Mikashir Bekli, 
if somebody carries out food which is less than the required amount that would be you would be chayef for, and he carried it out in a kli which does have a large amount, a kli has a value. Potter is still exempt from, uh, you know, having violated Shabbos. You don't have to bring a karmah chatas if you did it un- um, inadvertently. Afala kli, and he's potter even for the keli shaklit feilulay because the keli is secondary to the food. You had no intention of carrying out a keli. You had intention of carrying out food. So you didn't carry out a keli, you carried out food. The food doesn't rate as having been carried out, and therefore you're exempt. Thus haste, in other words, has the Geshem Akli Hatashir that even though the physical physical keli, the physical bowl, has if you would have carried out a bowl because you wanted to carry out a bowl, you would be chayef for this bowl. It has enough to give you to have been considered having carried out. If you would have carried it out just the bowl, you would be chayef. But since in this case, the reason for you carrying out the keli the bowl was only in order to carry out the food. The physical fact that there is enough keli to constitute having been carried out, but since you had no intention of carrying out a keli, your intention was to carry it out, carry out food, so your intention overrides the reality of the physical um, size of the keli, and you're, it's considered that you didn't carry out the keli. So there's a conflict between your intention and the physical size of the keli, and your intention overrides the physical size of the keli. Which in this case, the kavana is to the oichl and the food that you were carrying out. Azoi, as the keli veta tail from the oichl, so now the keli is simply seen as secondary to the food, or becomes part of the food. And since the food doesn't have enough, doesn't rate, having been carried out, is therefore the keli is also considered to be less than the amount needed to be, that you should be chayef for having carried it out. Even though, in reality, the physical reality of the keli, you do have enough to constitute carrying out. But since it's secondary to the food, and the food doesn't have a shear, therefore the keli is also considered not to have a shear. So we see here that even in Torah, even in the, the, the halachas, as Torah expresses itself in the physical reality, the kavana, the intent, supersedes the physical manifestation of the keli. Everything as it's understood in the inner dimension expresses itself also in Nigla in, Deteira, uh, in, the, in the revealed part of the Deteira. So also in this matter, as the Gansam it sees from Veltus Teira Yisrael, that the real existence, uh, the, real, uh, the reality of the world is really about Yidin and Teira. We find this expressed in a number of places in the at least if you understand the illusion, the uh, illusion that's going on. For instance, in Taisus, the din is, that just like you're not allowed to burn 
kachim on yamtiv. If there's something that needs to be burnt, uh, some holy uh, like you know carbonas that were left over or whatever it is that have to be burnt, on yamtiv you're not allowed to burn it. Vilas is and the reason is because when, when are you allowed to light a fire on Yontif? when it's for human need for your eating, for you to be able to eat and so on, but if it's just doing because Hashem needs it to be burnt and it's a mitzvah to burn it, it you can leave it for after Yontif, you don't burn it on Yontif, you're not allowed to burn something which is not for human consumption on Yontif and therefore you're not allowed to burn truma which became tamay on Yomtev. So just like Kachim Karbonis, you're not allowed to, therefore you're not allowed to burn Truma, which became Tami on Yomtev. You're not allowed to burn it on Yomtev either. Frek Taisis, so Taisis asks the following question. Since the halacha is that if a Kayan has Truma, which became Tami, so he's not allowed to eat it anymore, but he's now obligated to burn it. But you can burn, let's say, your wheat under the pot which is cooking your food, and that should be the source of the fuel for the fire that you're cooking with. Are you allowed to do that? The answer is yes. You're allowed to burn truma and benefit from the fire that it is burning. So the question is, why can't you take the truma tmeya, the truma that's tamei, put it under your pot, light a fire, and cook your food that way. So then it would be permitted, why shouldn't it be permitted to do that on Yontif? You're using it for human consumption. It's just like you're allowed to burn wood in order to cook your food. Why shouldn't you be able to burn Trumatmeya to cook your food? Tosdan is in dem because then there would be a need for someone to be able to eat on Yontif, and therefore it should be permitted. When Taisus answers the following, Since there is an essential need, a godly need, in burning this truma. It's a mitzvah to burn truma, which is tamay. So, If you were to contrast Hashem's need for you to burn truma, and your own need to burn this wheat in order to be able to cook your food, when those two things come together, so then Hashem's need dominates and completely nullifies your need. And therefore, you look at this event now as being your burning truma. The fact that you also need it, that is lost in comparison to Hashem's need for you to burn the truma. So, even though the reality, the physical reality, is that you're also benefiting from it, but the kavana. Hashem's need dominates and completely nullifies your own need. And therefore, there is no need that you have for cooking your food, at least in Kavana, and therefore, you're not allowed to do it on Yontif. So, to understand it on its simple terms, this explanation of Taisas needs explanation. Why should Hashem's need nullify, neutralize your need. Well, Pianal is a smoother, but now that as we explained about the Kavana, we understand that Bibal does them as a mitzvah, is in Velt, is state of Yisrael. Since the real nature of things, of everything in the world, is 
the what the underlying what is underlying that how it serves Yidin and the Torah that's what its real existence is so when you use it for its intended purpose you fulfill a mitzvah with it Fault up in unvert bottle the chetzayin is the gemitzias from here, the the shell, the physical shell, in which all physical matter presents itself, falls away. What comes to light, what now becomes dominant, is what its purpose was. And all that re- remains is what its intent intended purpose was that what because you use it for its intended purpose so that came to light and everything else the external part of it the physical part of it through which it presents itself falls away and you don't notice it anymore it becomes less important on the far and since the real reason why one needs to burn truma is because that's what the mitzvah says should be done with it and therefore that becomes its entire raison d'etre that's what becomes its real existence and therefore the fact that a human also can use the heat from that fire that becomes lost and the only thing that exists anymore is the fact that there's a mitzvah to burn it that's the only thing that exists and therefore on Yom Tev, that's the only thing that we're going to recognize is that you burn truma because there's a mitzvah. The fact that there is also a side benefit, which is your food is cooking, that isn't recognized anymore. That fell away. The only thing is what its real purpose was. And that's the answer of Tesis. But according to this, we have the question on the other hand, what we asked earlier, this that the whole purpose of the creation is for the Yid and for the Torah that's not something that came about was created at Matan Torah now suddenly the purpose of the world is for the Yid and Torah that's why, how Hashem created the world thousands of years earlier Take it by the Briyas dos Irgansamitsias as soon as it was created, that was its purpose. Hind Vos Hotzakhita Matantaira said, and what happened at Matantaira was to lead them is the Dafkedemo the Velgi Kumansur Matsafan Shokta Shakata. Why is it that suddenly by Matantaira, if its real existence is Taira and Yisrael, is that did that happen by Matantaira? That happened at the beginning of creation, so what was, uh, what happened at Matan Torah that suddenly gave the real existence of the world its its true meaning? Because that's ultimately its intended purpose. So what happened at Matan Torah? This was originally its intended purpose. Is the beer and them? The explanation is does vos the ganzem etzius from bries blois ir kavana is mitzad lamaila mitzad This that the entire purpose of the world is what Hashem intended for it that is from the perspective of Hashem the way it's seen from top down since by Hashem what he wants and what happens is one and the same 
So therefore, when he looks at it, that's its whole existence. But when we look at it from the created, from the perspective of created beings, looking at, at it from down up, by us, in our reality, what we want is not necessarily what happens. So it's two separate things. So when we look at it, it's not readily apparent, it's not obvious, it's not, it doesn't shout out at us that the entire world is only for its intended purpose. That's only when you look at it from above and you see that there is no other existence other than the purpose that Hashem made, gave something, which is what brought it into being to begin with. We look at it as two separate things, because in our reality, what we want and what we have is not necessarily the same. So therefore, the Tachlis HaKavona is, so the ultimate purpose, and what are we looking for, what's the goal? That now, what we're trying to accomplish is, that within creation should also recognize this reality that its only real existence and purpose is the Yidden and Torah and then if that happens so then Hashem and the world become one and one integrated existence and that is what everybody sees that's what you, when you look at the world you will see that it's an integration that is really one with Hashem and with his intent but that's not something that comes automatically that's something that has to be reached that's something that has to be accomplished and that's why it was only by that the world calmed down and saw that its reality would continue because now we see the the, the uh, the, bring, the coming together of its physical reality with its intended purpose. Before Matan when you looked from the perspective of the world, it was not obvious that the whole purpose of the world is for the Yidden and for When the Far is the Geshem from Velgivem and that's why the physical reality of the world was very powerful and created a concealment of Hashem. Similar to what, you know, when you have a, when you have only the bowl and you don't see the food inside what it contains, so then you see the bowl. And that's what, when you looked at the world, you saw the bowl. So if you take out, if you look only at the bowl, you carry out a bowl, so then the, if the bowl is big enough, that you're, you consider to have been carried, you would be chayev for carrying out a bowl. <clears throat> Even though, in reality, a bowl is for the purpose of food, but if you don't have food in it now, so you're only seeing a bowl. By matan teiris gaben gevarn the kayach to megalazayin velt mitzidah, by matan gave the ability that you should be able to, even in the physical reality, you should now be able to see that there is an intended purpose for it. MSMC is what it really exists for, and therefore what its true existence is. When the Fadis Givarn Shakata, that's why the world suddenly saw itself that it now, its real reason 
the reason why it exists will come to light will be seen and that gives it its real existence so until Matan its real existence will remain concealed by Matan now we now have the ability to be able to see what the real existence of the world is and therefore now the world feels that it truly exists because its real existence is now can be seen in its outer shell the food was placed in the bowl and now when you look at it you're not looking at bowl anymore you're looking at food which happens to be contained by a bowl but you're seeing food based on all of this now we can understand also when, the, uh, when it talks about and the Pasuk talks about testimony there is the testimony as expressed by the heaven and earth and the testimony is expressed by Neshamas Yisrael now we'll understand the difference since Hashem had this desire to have a place in the world, lower worlds. And when we say that he wanted a place to live, it means that he wanted his very essence to be brought into the world, as is explained in the Maimer Basilagani. So then, that's what he wanted, that's what happened, that became the reality. As was mentioned before. And the reality is that Hashem wanted a reality in the world, so He has a reality in the world. Which is expressed also in the fact that the world has certain dimensions to it which are eternal, as we explained before. Which they are pointers, they express the infinite, the fact that Hashem is invested into the world and that's why there is certain dimensions of infinity infinity to the world itself but on the other hand since on the other hand this is only the perspective as it's seen from above, this is how Hashem sees the world and therefore the heaven and earth are separate the heaven and earth see it their way and the infinite aspect that is invested into it which represents Hashem can be seen as two separate things because the world does not yet know that its entire existence is only godliness and the, the purpose of its creation in order that Hashem's purpose that He should be, uh, have a place in this world should also be recognized from below from the created beings in order to ha- make that happen you need the Yidden to do their Torah mitzvahs in this world and through this they make that happen that's something that the Nishamas Yisrael have to make happen that from the perspective of the creation we should recognize that there is a and that's the whole purpose of the world that cannot happen on itself and that's why we say that the Shemayim Vodets can only point to a certain aspect of infinity uh, inf- infinity 
which expresses Hashem's existence, but it doesn't yet it doesn't merge the two together it doesn't express that this is the entire existence of the world that's why they're a day they first of all they're a day birur they point to it they don't make it happen but also that the reality is much is not as you know complete that it's not it doesn't permeate the world as completely as what happens later when the neshama sisrol bring Torah mitzvahs into the world so therefore they make the, that the, from the perspective of below we also recognize that the fact that the whole purpose of the world is only Yisrael in Torah and that it's the Yidin that make this happen and that's why they are Eidei Kiyum as well they are the Eidus the which the witnesses this is the testimony that makes it happen that is integral to what is happening and not just pointing to what's happening and this is also the explanation uh, from the inner perspective was the Eidekiyum that the Eidekiyum the ones that effectuate the, uh, the reality also give it more of a they make it more real as he explained before in regards to marriage that you can't undo it that even if you said it you can't undo it as we said, that because of what the Yidden do, the world becomes calmed. In other words, it gets a stronger, its true purpose makes it, you know, is realized finally, and therefore its true Metzias comes to, uh, becomes dominant, becomes the reality. Yud Beis. The Mitkemenech Mevarazayn Based on this, we can also explain the chilakanal tzvishin ede bitter and ede kiyum. The difference between the witnesses that authenticate and the witnesses that effectuate, as the kiyum veren the veren ede b'shah zayiriyu and ede bitter. That difference that when the uh, the ede the witnesses that authenticate that verify, they only become witnesses when they're called upon to verify. Only when they come to testify, whereas the Eidei Kiyum, the ones that effectuate, they become witnesses immediately. And we, how do we explain this? What does it have to do with this discussion? The Eidus and Shemayim Baruch Atzmam is Nishmegale Umam Shechatzmusi is Baruch Belt. The testimony that is provided by the heaven and earth, that infinite dimension of it, which points to godliness, to the essence of Hashem. So that doesn't draw godliness into the world. Why not? Because the, the heaven and the earth are themselves a part of creation. And the creation by its nature, as his name indi- its name indicates, is a part of the concealment. And therefore, the infinite aspect of heaven and earth, that ex- it expresses a certain dimension of infinite, is not from, the, from their own existence, because their own existence is to the contrary. It's something limited and something that conceals godliness. It's only because there is godliness superimposed on the creation, and that's what is expressed in, an infinite dim- in that infinite dimension.
Mein ist, was Eden haben bekehrt zu sehen, in sei dem Kreuchein Sof. It's only that the Eden have the ability to be able to discern that there is something infinite about the heaven and the earth, whether it's in Bemin or Beish, as he said before, whether it's the actual thing that exists eternally, like the, the heavenly bodies, or it's the species which... Uh, so the Yidden see that there is something infinite here, and therefore they recognize that there is a godly aspect at play in heaven and earth too. And therefore, even after the, the earth testifies, in other words, it displays a certain aspect of infinite, so the, the essence of Hashem still remains completely concealed. It's just that godliness is imposed on the earth, and therefore anyone that can understand can see that there is something at play. When will the, the uh, function of heaven and earth realize its true uh, purpose? When will it finally get the message delivered? Their message as witnesses which are there to testify and verify. When Mashiach comes, when the earth will reach its perfection, then when Hashem will be revealed, and therefore all flesh will see that the then the the world will come to that perfection that even the flesh will be able to discern godliness. You will see that the whole flesh is godliness. But that doesn't happen now. By the Eidus from the Shamas Yisrael is Fakert. But by the testimony that is provided by the Yidin, it's the opposite. This, that <coughs> through the Torah mitzvahs, the Yidin are Mamshul, they draw godliness and the infinite, the essence of Hashem into the world. That happens fully, perfectly, now when we're doing the mitzvah. That is already happening. It's only that we don't really see it. What will happen when Mashiach comes in regards to this matter? We will be able to see what we accomplished. But it's being accomplished now. So we are drawing, creating the reality of Atmos in the world now. Later we will be able to, we will become privy to it. But by the Shemaim Va'aretz, as much as they point to godliness, it isn't that physical reality is permeated by the recognition of godliness. Not at all. Only when Mashiach comes will there be an ability for the physical reality to to express godliness. So in other words, in regards to the testimony of heaven and earth, we can see it a little bit now. Its perfection will, hap- will happen then. We can detect a little bit of it now. The reality, the... the uh, in Mashiach's time, that's when it'll truly happen that the physical will express godliness. In regards to what Neshamas Yisrael do, which is when we do mitzvahs, we draw godly uh, atzmos into the world, that's happening fully now. 
The only thing that's not happening now is that we can't perceive it. Then we will be privy to it. But it's happening fully now. In other words, the exact opposite. Yud Gimel. Just like you have the, so to speak, testimony as it is, plays out in the God, in the heavenly things. So it also you have the same idea in the in service of the person. A yid service to Hashem also has this dimension. As there is the kind of aveda which is done with logic. It goes in an orderly fashion and so on. That's something which is obvious. Your seichel dictates that this is what needs to be done. So that's very obvious. A higher type of avayda is uh, an avayda which transcends the tamadas. It's not necessarily logical. The avayda versus fabunum mit mesiris nefesh that there is a need for a yid to have to be able to display mesiris nefesh. That's not something that you could come to logically. That is something which transcends logic, but that is also an Aveda which a Yid does. But even in this kind of Aveda, which is Mesiris Nefesh, it could also be done in such a way that it doesn't truly express the need for testimony, which he explained earlier, means something which is completely unknown. Something that you could understand doesn't need testimony. The Avedim Bittamadas doesn't need testimony. Even Mesiris Nefesh could also be something which is lower, that has a certain, un, that you can understand it, at least to the degree that you know that it has to be done, even if you can't understand it fully, like a, say, like a mitzvah which is Alpitamadas. Because, because even the Sirius Nefesh could also be limited and guided by Seichel. Like there is the, a person could approach Mesiris Nefesh in a very logically, logical, orderly way. Let's look in Shulchan Aruch. Does this particular uh, circumstance require my Mesiris Nefesh? Or does it not? So in other words, the whole approach to Mesiris Nefesh could also be based on Seichel, at least in some way. For everything, every uh, situation, he makes a calculation. Am I required in this particular situation to be Mesa Nefesh? So that is also something which is at least on, in some way connected to Seichel. The Hechst is what is the highest level? that which we would apply the concept of Eidos, that you need testimony because there's nothing to point to it. That would be the type of Aveda. That because a Yid is so bound up with Hashem, which comes from the essence of your soul, the Mesiris Nefesh also is in an, an unlimited way. And it's not something that you don't make any calculations. Ayid feels that doing this would disconnect him from Hashem, even to a small degree. Is willing to go on Mesiris Nefesh. There's no way that he could be disconnected from Hashem in any way. And it's regarding this type of Aveda that Hashem says, You are my witnesses. 
that it's through this type of Aveda, which is really the way that we draw down Atmos into the world. When a Yid lives in a way that he cannot be disconnected from the Hashem in any way, shape, or form, for even a moment, that's what draws real Atmos. That's Eidai, which is not governed by Seichel in any way, and therefore unknown, and for that is the expression that you need testimony. Yudalit. No chaninyinidem, another matter in this regard. Vibal, the Gansamitsius from Veldis Canal. Irkavona, Taitavi Yisrael. Since the real existence of the world is, as we said before, its true purpose, which is Taita and the Yidden. Umbashaz, the Gavona Kumtaroiz Begoli. Vet bottled Ritzenizamitsius from Velt. And when the real nature of the world, its real purpose, is revealed, so then everything else, its outer shell, falls away. Is the funda hero? So the lesson for this is, b'shas gate tana mitzvah. When a yid approaches a mitzvah that he has to do, daf er zich nish rechen You don't have to make any calculations at all. Nish mitzayin egin mitzias. You don't have to see how this affects you. When nish midder mitzias from under the and you don't have to see what other things have to say about it. While b'shas is handled to a mitzvah, because when we're talking about a mitzvah. Anything that has the ability to conceal that mitzvah, in other words, interfere with that mitzvah, falls away. When the true light of the mitzvah comes out, when the true purpose of the world right now comes out, that it's for this purpose of this mitzvah, everything else falls away. The Gansa mitzvah is not the mitzvah, it's all about the mitzvah. Nothing else exists except for this mitzvah. And the feeling, this kind of feeling comes <coughs> comes from what's called the Eidus, the testimony part of the Neshama. What is that? When you talk, when you look at something from its uh, rational perspective, what's called even if you approach it in a way that transcends Tamvadas rational reason. But it is a, a super rational thing, which is still somewhat connected to rational, which is what Saiv of Kalaman was explained to be before. So then it allows, to some degree, the created reality as well. It still entertains the, the created reality. Only from an Aveda which comes from the essence of the soul, which, as I said before, is directly rooted in the essence of Hashem. It, you could recognize and you will recognize that the entire reality of the world is only godliness, which means Torah Yisrael. And therefore, anything else that w- does not play along, work along with that, doesn't exist. Anything else falls away, as he brought from a number of different uh, examples during the Sikha.